Hey there, small villains, and welcome back to Somebody Save Us, the Smallville Retrospective Podcast. Now, before we start this episode today, we just wanted to do a very quick little, um, I was going to say shout out, but I guess it's not really a shout out, is it, Paul? No. It's more of a a public service announcement. I have a public service. Yes, I have a PSA. Um, So this episode is following uh, the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation here in Canada, which is where we record. So we just want to kind of recognize that, especially for the nature of this episode. Um, So each year, September 30th marks the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. This day honors the children who never returned home and survivors of residential schools, as well as their families and communities. Public commemoration of the tragic and painful history and ongoing impacts of residential schools is a vital component to the reconciliation process. Uh, The federal statutory holiday, because of course it's a holiday, uh, was created through legislative amendments made by Parliament, yet last year was our first official National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. It is typically uh, Orange Shirt Day, where everyone wears an orange shirt in remembrance of the residential school survivors. There's lots of information out there, guys. So if you just go and type into Google National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, it's going to bring up tons and tons of resources, lots of information, a lot of stuff that you can read. Um, And if it hits you and you, um, you know, or if you are someone who is Indigenous or you know someone who is Indigenous um, and you want to help in any way you can, uh, there is a really great foundation. Uh, It is called uh, the Downey Wenjack Foundation or the Downey Wenjack Fund. It was started by Gord Downey, who is the lead singer of the Tragically Hip. Uh, And it's in the name of a young boy named Chani Wenjack. And I'll just give a really quick, if we don't, if you don't mind, Paul, I'll just give the quick story about Chani Wenjack for, yeah. for anybody who, especially for anybody who may not know exactly how residential schools kind of operated here, this can give you a kind of a bleak look into it. So mm-hmm. Chani Wenjack, uh, misnamed as Charlie Wenjack by his teachers, uh, because essentially residential schools were when awful Canadian Catholics came and ripped children away from indigenous tribes and forced them into schools to learn English. They weren't allowed to use their language. Uh, So he was misnamed Charlie Wenjack by his teachers and was an, and I'm going to butcher it, I'm really sorry, but he was an Anishinaabe boy born in Ogoki Post on the Martin Falls Reserve on January 19th, 1954. Chani's story, tragically, is like so many stories of Indigenous children in this county, in this country. He fell victim to Canada's colonization of the Indigenous people. In 1963, at the age of nine, Chani was sent to the Cecilia Jeffrey Indian Residential School in Kenora, Ontario. And in 1966, at 12 years old, Chani ran away from Cecilia Jeffrey, attempting to reunite with his family 600 kilometers away in a Goki post 600 kilometers away that is crazy nine others ran away that same day all but Chani were caught within 24 hours Chani's body was found beside the railway tracks on October 22nd 1966 a week after he fled he succumbed to starvation exposure um and in his pockets oh I clicked on something oh no I clicked on something and now it's it's totally taking me somewhere else. Um, in his pocket was nothing but a little glass jar with seven wooden matches. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that's essentially his story. I don't know if he was um, given back to his people. I'm going to assume he was. Um, I don't think he was one of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of children that have been found in mass grave sites around these residential schools. Yeah. And that, that is something that, uh, you know, it's been coming to light or, you know, um, indigenous people have been trying to tell people about these grave sites and the, their missing family for, for years and years and decades and decades. And it wasn't until early, uh, I think it was early in 2020, they first, first they found that, um, uh, that site in BC and then shortly mm-hmm. thereafter in Saskatchewan. And, um, I think some of the probe that is happening in Alberta is still ongoing, but yeah. I got the sense early on, and this is kind of Alberta being Alberta, that the government wasn't necessarily cooperating super well because... Oh, yeah, no, no. Yeah. Um, because cause think of it this way. I mean, they so the way that they found the bodies in Kelowna, in that residential school in mm-hmm. Kelowna, mm-hmm. Um, was I believe they did a drone flyby because I think they were surveying the actual land for what I'm not really sure, but they surveyed the land and with this drone, it was able to detect remains under the ground. So again, I haven't kept up with the story. I don't like keeping up with bad news. I know that's super ignorant of me. I I keep up with it in other ways. Um, So, but as far as what I'm aware, they haven't dug any of these bodies up yet. Yeah, because it has to be done in a fairly delicate way, and and, yeah. and as they do this, they are trying to use forensic techniques to determine who these people were. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, surprise, surprise, the uh, these residential schools didn't exactly keep the most stellar records because they knew what they were doing was wrong. Absolutely, I hope that they knew. Like I like. Honestly, I, I just I refuse to believe that there is so, so much evil in the world that they would do something awful and believe that what they're doing is right. But I'm going to assume, too, that they probably did think that they were doing right because they were doing God's will in their eyes. That was God's will. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which is disgusting. Ugh. Um. Anyway, so it's this National Day for Truth and Reconciliation is for us to kind of all come together as a country you know, recognize the ridiculous amount of racism that Canada has for its indigenous people, which is like, it's, it's so opposite, I think, of what people envision when they think Canada, I I feel like a lot of people don't believe racism like exists here, because we're so nice. But I'm like, that it's, it's here. It's absolutely here. It's just it comes down to if you look at incarcerated population, and mm-hmm. the incarcer the the number of unhoused people um, that are indigenous, it really speaks yeah. to the institutionalized racism that exists here that so many people deny. Absolutely, but it's it's all you have to do is look. That's right. Oh yeah, you look on the streets. You you know a lot of the homeless, especially here in our city, are indigenous. Um, you know, you you don't see a lot of indigenous people in regular jobs. It, it's it's kind of odd. Like it's we have such a huge population of indigenous people, and yet I feel like it's it's so rare that you even see them. You know, 
about in the city. Just it's it's odd. So yeah, racism is definitely very much here. It's just a little bit uh, different. I feel like yeah. I feel like it's a bit more hidden because we're Canadian, right? So we're we're polite. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, whether that's worse or better, it's neither. It's just awful. So yes. <laughs> um. So that's you know, if everybody anybody wants to go do some research into National Truth and Reconciliation, definitely like the the resources are there. Yes. Um. And as much as I would love to, because I'm a, I'm a social I'm a social justice kind of gal, and as much as I would love to continue talking about it, we are here to talk about Smallville today. So let's let's keep it on Smallville. We're gonna try not to get politically charged yes. <laughs> and triggered by stuff. Um. And I will say that for this episode for it being made i mean because it came out in what paul like 2002 yeah yeah so in like it, november of 2002 okay so for it being a 20 year old episode it it wasn't as bad you know with dealing with indigenous people as i thought it was gonna be i was thinking like oh god it's gonna get hmm. but you know what yeah. they handled they did a couple of there were a few missteps but i think that overall the tone was you know, it was, it was respectful enough and it was, it was made for good TV. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah. So let's, let's just start, uh, getting into it like right now, let's do it. So the episode opens up on a worker's dig site and there's a foreman that's looking, um, that's locking up and we encounter, uh, the one big, what I'll call racist trope in this is that every time an indigenous person shows up a pan flute, plays in the background which is which is very that's a very like old school that's an old school way of 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 putting music to uh you know an indigenous character yeah them being like oh look at this this man who is mysticism personified exactly like a mystical shaman type right so yeah so so this guy turns around right into the right into the face of indigenous acting legend gordon tutusis Oh, I know. He's been in so much stuff. So, yeah, Legends of the Fall, Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. Uh, He was in Pocahontas. And, of course, he was Albert on North of 60. That's who he was on North. I knew it. I freaking knew it. Okay. uh, I don't remember the exact date, but I know he passed away in 2011. Yeah, he passed away uh, July fifth, two thousand eleven. Okay, and he he was Cree. He was born um, in Poundmaker Cree Nation, so, in Saskatchewan, right? In Saskatchewan, and that is where he has been laid to rest as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he was he was a great actor, really, really great. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So so he shows up, and uh, you know, kind of. It sounds threatening, but he's actually warning to a certain extent. You know, he's saying you can't be here. You got to get stop what you're doing. Um, it's dangerous what you're doing. And essentially what they're doing is they're building a business park out in the middle of a cornfield with absolutely no major access routes around it. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, there's no. Yeah, they're building it in the middle of a field that has like there's no public infrastructure leading to this Mm-mm. site. Like there's no major road. It's just yeah, we'll we'll figure that part out after. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get there. It's just uh, that was a funny observation I made a little bit later. But um, yeah, so they're building uh, LexCorp or Luther Corp. Sorry. Yeah is building a big business plaza. And so there's this construction site. They only just started to break ground uh, from what it looks like in the episode. And so um, uh, 
what's it? Joseph, Joseph Wood Wind. What was his last name again? Willowbrook. Joseph. Willowbrook. Willowbrook. Yes. Yeah. So Joseph Willowbrook. We don't know his name yet, but that is who is confronting this foreman. And this foreman, of course, tells him to back off, chief. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> With which, oh, yeah. which chief, I was kind of like, ooh. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, some douchebags do call each other chief when they're annoyed. I mean, it could. Yeah. It's it's a ha- you know half dozen one six on the other kind of situation. Yeah. Um. So he kind of like shoves the guy out. He was like, get out of here. Like, get out of here. You don't need your kind around here. So he shoves him out. And so uh, it, it kind of cuts out a little bit. And you see the construction site. And you see that it, it turns into night. Yeah. And this, this foreman is still there on his own, filling his truck with some gas. And he's about to head home. Um, and all of a sudden, he hears a rustling in the bushes. Yeah, it's so weird because he's gassing up the truck, and then he like, as like he he sets it you know to to automatic fill or whatever, and he's like walking, and he hears a noise, and he walks forward a bit because he hears the rustling, and there's like some storm happening at the same time, like there's some thunder rolling, um, and then he gets a little panicked, and he runs back to the truck, and he's like like opening up this uh this emergency kit he pulls out a flare gun and like we see from the uh like the pov of whatever is about to attack him rushing up to him as he's trying to panic load this this flare (laughs) Flare gun (laughs) it's i just i can't wait till we get to the to the big boom because it's so funny (laughs) dude so this so while he this wolf I don't know where this white wolf jumps on him and like is gnashing its teeth and he falls down. And as he falls down, he fires the flare gun into this, into the air and this wolf is on him and it's snarling. Um, but then the wolf looks over to the truck where gas is pouring all over yes. the ground. And I'm yeah. like, no automatic shutoff. Like no. what? And it's just <laughs> nope. pouring everywhere. And the wolf's like, uh Oh, gets out of there and then the dude has this hilarious like react of like ah the flare hits him almost directly and the explosion is so fucking big like it is ridiculous it looks honestly like an oil field is exploding but all that we have what i'm assuming for gasoline explosive material on this like workers building dig site because it's a building they're not making a like a freaking chemical factory they're not making an oil refinery um there was the one gas tanker where he was filling his truck up it was like a big barrel up on stilts it's one of those gas fillers which I will say I'm not a hundred percent sure if those have stoppers. So that could be like, eh, because just, it's not a machine. It's just like one, you know, I don't know if it has a stopper anyways. And then there's one other off to the side. That is it. That is all that could be flammable. And his truck is like right in the middle, granted right next to this gasoline tanker and whatnot, but the gas didn't spill all over the construction site. So how the hell did it reach everything else? (laughs) It blew everything up. And like, so the only example I can think of this, like there was like in season one, there was an episode where there was this girl who controlled bees. Um, And in the final scene of that episode, a barn explodes and it is like a nuclear explosion. Like it is like, it almost rips the siding off a house. That's like a hundred yards away from it. And like, it is a ridiculously huge explosion considering like, I think there's like 
a gas can in in, yeah. in the barn <laughs> and it blows so huge that I just I can I every time I think of an explosion I think of that I'm like holy crap it's so ridiculous even the wolf even the white wolf because then you get a shot of it watching all these explosions even the wolf was like fuck this is overkill I'm out like even the wolf knows <laughs> and we get a howl to theme and we get a howl to theme and the credits yeah um so after them credits we get uh pete and clark in some of the worst body double uh oh my God. acting i've ever seen i i paused it a couple times just to see this like freaking dude he kind of looks like the main dude from um from letter kenny Oh and yeah, uh, uh, what's oh Wayne? Wayne. He kind of looks Wayne. like Wayne. Yeah, he kind of looks like Wayne. <laughs> oh my god! And I'm almost like, a thousand percent positive. Go. I'm almost a thousand percent positive that Pete's body double was like a white guy. They just put some gloves on. I'm like, <laughs> I'm sure I saw a glimpse of white on that body double. <laughs> it is. It's distractingly bad. Yeah, it was. It was very, very bad. But I mean, regardless. So here is where we're going to talk about where this fucking plaza is being built. Okay, so Pete and Clark are out dirt biking. Okay, they're out in the field in the middle of what we're assuming is buttfuck nowhere. Yeah, like dirt biking through trails and dirt biking through farmland and this and that. Um, But they suddenly come upon the construction site. Yeah. And as it pans out, this is where you see that this business plaza is being built in legitimately the middle of a fucking cornfield. That is where it is. There is corn right across the little tiny dirt pathway <laughs> on the other side. And then when Clark and Pete at the end of the scene, when they speed out of there, uh, they speed off and I don't see no major roadway far off in the distance. I don't see any cars passing yeah. on a highway. There's no paved road this i'm assuming awesome. there's no like gas or water lines installed yet like no. there's literally nothing there's no infrastructure <laughs> at all like i said and like <laughs> this is funny because as they are like making their way out like pete kind of passes a little too close to this the only other cop in smallville <laughs> we've ever seen and he's like mm-hmm. oh you damn kids it's quite screwing around yeah <laughs> oh too much um so, but yeah, yeah they so they they uh continue dirt biking and like they come up to this um this fork in the road and each of them take a different way and there's like clark going over a couple more jumps and then he goes over his handlebars and then straight down to her right down to her <laughs> Um, yeah, and so he falls, like, apparently, like, a really freaking long way. It was quite a, uh-huh. it was quite a drop. Yeah. And it, he falls into this, of course, like, now, I've never been, myself, into a cave, especially a cave with indigenous drawings. Yeah. Um, but it's a very beautiful cave. It's super beautiful. It's, like, it's not what I would imagine at all. It has, like, curvy rocks and, like, all this, uh, you know, niceness. Yeah. So, falls in he's just kind of like gaining his consciousness back and trying to figure out what the hell happened and then we get a flashlight that's off in the distance coming yeah the thing the thing i wanted to point out though is like clark has gone he goes over his handlebars and yeah granted he fell a long way but he is like fucked up from this like he's stunned to the point that when this person holding the flashlight shows up he thinks it's lana oh yeah well you know he did hit his head so, like, yeah. it's probably a little dizzy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, it was definitely a long wait. And because we see him fall. And it's there's a few cuts of, yeah. like, watching him fall. And it, it was a good, like, five seconds of 
slow-mo falling, but still like, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it was definitely a ways. So yeah, Clark is very disoriented and yeah, when flashlight comes and it kind of shows the darkened silhouette of a young lady, Laura um, Croft, Laura Croft. Um, it is, it, it does. And she does kind of look like Lana a little bit. There's very much, there's similar facial features, but yeah, he assumes it's Lana. Um, and in walks this Kyla who is played by what's her freaking name? Amara Zaragoza. Yeah. So someone who I'm pretty sure isn't indigenous at all. <laughs> Cause I Googled and I don't see anything about yeah, uh, I mean, who she she's, is. She, and, but she's kind of played that kind of role because she was in the in the movie Hatchet and she was in Res Bomb, and she got an uh, an award for it too, and it was like a Red Nation something something. So okay. I, I thought that that was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. So any but anyways, so she she does very much look the part. Don't get me wrong; it's just that I'm kind of like, come on, like I'm sure you could have. If had you looked a little bit harder, Warner Brothers, you probably yeah. could have found. Anyways, yeah. she comes in. They have their little meet cute moment um and she basically bends down and is like you're disoriented and she just rips the guy's shirt wide open <laughs> like just like, rips it open you're in shock and then rips it open and she, he's like now i'm in shock <laughs> my dick's in shock um, <laughs> so yeah and so then she's taken aback because of course he's got no injuries yeah yeah and she's like oh you have no injuries whatsoever and of course what does clark go with Oh. Just, just lucky, I guess. <laughs> An oldie but a goodie. <laughs> yeah, and then so they're making their introductions, but then Pete arrives and he's like, "Hey, you think you can jump your way back out of there?" And he's like, <laughs> uh, "I've got company down here." <laughs> All right, man. All right, just make sure you're okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, Pete, for almost ruining everything. So, really, like when you mentioned like this cave, like this cave set is like looks really nice and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's because they obviously built this set for future use and they're going to use this set a lot this oh, season. Okay. Um, oh, okay. And yeah, cuz this is not this is not a one and done story by any means. Awesome. Okay, yeah. well that's good. They took some freaking time for some detail. But yeah, like so like Clark uh like she's uh she's like, "Hey, like I can help you get out of here. Let's go." And then Clark is about to follow her, but then he notices an octagonal recess in the wall. What? what? And as soon as they see that, you know, uh, Kyla, Kyla, she turns her flashlight over and then she notices all the cave paintings. And then she's like, oh, my God, you know, I never would have found this if it wasn't for you. She's laying on like the teenage hormones, like super thick the entire episode, pretty much. Mm -hmm. So she's like, oh, Clark, my hero. I never would have found these if it wasn't for you. And she Mm -hmm. tells him of the story of Naman. Yeah. Who her people believe came down from the sky in a rain of fire. Mm-hmm. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. And he possesses the strength of 10 men. Sound and familiar? Fire out of his eyes. And shoots fire out of his eyes. And so, of course, now Clark is. Um, then he sees, yeah, he sees that octagonal recess in the wall for Clark's space crib key. And, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously there's some questions that need to be answered. Yeah. And it was like on that, on that shot, it kind of zooms in on the octagonal recess and then it fades into the same recess on the ship. Yes. Yes. Um, And and, and DK being uh, like, hold up, let's not jump to conclusions. 
Let's not yeah. drag out our jump to conclusions, Matt. That's right. <laughs> but Clark is super excited, obviously, because he's like, oh, these people, like, you know, they could know where I came from. They could know about my people, you know, whatever the case may be. And then he pulls out this, like, freaking alien USB stick and is like, you took this out of my ship before it closed up. Like, and it's yeah. got these symbols on on the on the USB stick. And which I feel like... Which I feel like is something that happened off screen because I don't remember that happening. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it was probably while Daddy Kent was just lifting the entire ship by himself. Yes, yeah. And just deadlifting it. He probably just shook it a little bit to get the jingly thing out. And then, yeah. you know, he just off he went. Uh, <laughs> it, was too, it was too heavy before that. That's right. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, he's got this weird little stick. This USB stick that I'm pretty sure we never see again, by the way. I don't recall seeing it later in the show. I think at some other point in time, it's going to end up in the possession of somebody who shouldn't have it. But um, Well, that's fine and dandy, but where the F was it for the rest of this show? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We only get like a very slight glimpse of it. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, you're right. So DK is like, we can't, you know, be careful what you tell these people. We don't know them. Like, we don't know them very well or at all. And Clark's like, yeah, that's why I invited them to dinner. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> So at the dinner table, now it cuts to dinner time. At the dinner table, we've got Clark, we've got DK, we've got Kyla, and we've got G-Paw Joe. Yeah. Uh, and Martha's in the kitchen. Yeah. And G-Paw is going a bit more into detail about Naman and the history yeah. of like his people and how Naman came like 500 years ago. Yeah. So, so like there was a man who fell from the sky 500 years ago. And there was a forbidden affair between him and an indigenous woman who became basically the mother of their people. And then yeah. he returned to the stars saying that someone would come. Um, and he says something to the effect of like, but it's been 500 years. So he's a bit late. Yeah, he's a little bit late on that. You know, whatever. And Kyla and Clark eye fuck each other every time they look at each other when she looks at him and legit bites her lower lip yeah and is like staring right at him i'm like damn kyla you're giving him a, like a little freaking foot job underneath the table like jesus christ <laughs> Jeez. um yeah so they can't uh she can't keep her freaking kitty cat under control during this entire episode um <laughs> <laughs> and Clark, to Clark's credit, initially he is trying to learn. He is trying to get more information. But then, you know, you've got the freaking sex kitten in the back who's just taken his attention away. <laughs> yeah. And Willowbrook, like, looks across to Clark and is like, you aren't from around here, are you, Clark? And Clark's like, Martha is very quickly to turn around to the kitchen and be like, uh, no, he's adopted. Yeah, he's adopted. Don't worry about it. Yep. No, he's not from here. Yeah. Um, and then Kyla kind of interjects and mentions about how um, G-Paw has been studying the symbols, but Luther, Luther Corp is going to, you know, end his research, um, mm -hmm. you know, due to their construction of this plaza. And you can just see it shoots over to Daddy Kent and you can see like at that moment, he's like, I'm on your side. I'm already on your side. Don't yeah. even care what it is. I'm on your side. <laughs> Let's yeah. kill some and Luthers. It, and it puts Martha in an awkward position. Which is kind of her lot for the basically the rest of the episode where she is employed by the Luthers, but she obviously also wants the right thing to happen, but also is more interested in creating a compromise, at least at first. 
Yeah, um, absolutely. Nothing's in, in black and white, which is true for all things in this world for the most part. Um, but Clark does ask, like he kind of puts her on the spot and is like, hey, don't you think important. you could just like talk to Lionel Luther and like, you know, see if he can get him to stop stuff and like stop construction of this plaza that he's probably already sunk millions of dollars into. Um, yeah. And that's Clark- when she was like, well, it's not black and white. Like, and then everyone like stares at Martha like she's the villain. Like, yeah, it's like so Clark, awkward. Clark especially like puts it in like plain terms for the audience. So basically sets the table. It's like, well, what's more important? A thousand jobs for people of the town or a historic site? And then there's the entire like, you know, this is indigenous land uh, and has been for thousands of years. But also when it comes to corporate greed, uh, that is not a consideration. No, ever. no. Which is so stupid because, like, indigenous land, like, can end up being just a big out fucking tax write-off for you if you if you have it. Like, it it's it's not a bad thing for companies to like find indigenous land and instead of build on it, you know, preserve it. It's it a it's good for public image and b I'm positive that there are tax cuts for companies that do that. Anyways, that's mm-hmm. it's neither here nor there. That is not what Lionel Luther is all about. So no, but we also uh, <laughs> but also. When DK asks who wants coffee with their pie, I just wonder what kind of pie, because that will be the answer to my question. Like, if it's, if it's like a lemon meringue, then no, that's not going to go. But if it's apple, then yes. Then I'm all, I'm all over it. I'm all over it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we never do find out what kind of pie is being served. We know that Kyla's got her pie out for like, you know, ready. We know what kind of pie Daddy Kent is interested in. (laughs) That's right. So then we cut to the barn or the loft. It's a and loft scene without Lana with like indigenous well, not yet, Lana. Anyways, not yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've got indigenous Lana there and he's yep. and Clark is using his telescope for something other than being pervy. Yes. And Kyle is kind of in the background. They're talking a little bit more about the legend. And then yeah. Kyla goes full seduction mode. She mm-hmm. takes Clark out to like the, the balcony. Yeah. And she grabs, she gets all close in with him and grabs his hand in her hand and points out to the sky and says, oh, see this little cluster of stars that looks like a wolf head, like in the middle, there used to be two stars, um, but one isn't there anymore. Cause they say that she says that Naman's home planet blew up or where he came from isn't there yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. And she mentions the stars no longer there. So again, it's, it's all part and parcel it's all so so parallel with clark's origin story so and we don't really it is but it's also completely apocryphal because that's not how that's not how stars work like yeah true the star (laughs) the star could have exploded like it didn't take clark thousands of years to get to earth therefore the shine of that star would still be in the sky even if that star had burned out a millennia ago, right? That's true. Yeah, that's and so, true. That's true. But but I'll, we're not going to interrogate that. <laughs> well, no, especially because like let's think about um, Kara, and she yeah. comes like because she got stuck in a time uh, like loop essentially, or she got sucked into a wormhole and she got spit yeah. out. You know, so I don't know if that could, that could happen. I never got far enough that to find out if Clark found anything out really about his origin. So we won't we won't dive into it. But yeah, things yeah. are very very parallel in the grand scheme with uh, Naman's legend and Clark's mm-hmm. story. So then, 
After she's done pointing at the star with Clark's hand in her hand, then she brings mm-hmm. it back down and it almost looks like, like, cause then it starts, the camera pans down like her stomach. And I'm just like, damn, mm-hmm. where are you putting his hand? <laughs> Is his hand like right down the front of her pants? Like, <laughs> and then it, the, the porn music starts playing. <laughs> Make love to me, Randy. <laughs> so she's wasting no time trying to get on that super D. And yeah. then Lana comes in. So now we've got yeah. the the, ob- the obligatory Lana scene. Here. But it's so it's like Lana's revealing her superpower, cock blocking. <laughs> With those doe eyes. <laughs> <laughs> And Clark, you know, he tries to explain the situation away, like, oh, this is Kyla, met her, cave drawings, blah, 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 sex, and, you know, things. <laughs> boners, boners. <laughs> boners, boners. And how the Luther complex is going to destroy all those cave paintings. And so he asks Lana a big ask, like Clark mm-hmm. is big asking for that, for that P word. And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> asks if Henry Smalls can do anything about it. And so... Initially, Lana is like, no, because, you know, we're not in that point of our father, new father, daughter, possible relationship. Um, But then, of course, Clark looks all butthurt and Lana obviously is in love with him. So she agrees. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And says she'll do something. So great. Fine. Dandy. Wonderful. Uh, I'm sure Clark and Kyla go to bone after this. And then we cut to the Luther mansion where Lionel is on a treadmill uh, working out, doing some walking, and he's talking to Sheriff Dipshit, who I guess becomes a good cop finally, an investigative cop when a person of color is involved, yep. and says, you know, we suspect that g Joseph Willowbrook is, um, uh, you know, a murderer and murders your foreman because he's got a history of civil disobedience. Yeah. It's like only the only person, reason why. Only person who could have done it. Yep, clearly. You know, he probably was caught, uh, you know, sneezing wrong on the sidewalk one day. And that was it. Civil disobedience thrown in jail. So Lionel tells Sheriff Dipshit to keep him posted. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't rewind the conversation. Um, they didn't mention anything about a cloth yet. No, right? nothing yet, because that hasn't okay. been planted yet. Okay. All right. So then you got Martha coming in as uh, Lionel's wrapping up with Sheriff. And Mm -hmm. she tells uh, Lionel that she has, you know, not only sent flowers to the foreman's family, but she's lined up a a condolence call with him the next day with the family. Yeah. And Lionel is like, oh, that's great. You know, I don't want to seem, you know, uncouth and uncaring and this and that. And she's like, "Uh, I did it because it's the right thing to do, motherfucker. Like, it's just what you do when an employee dies. And and he's like, he's like, you know, sometimes if I didn't know better, I'd swear I was talking to my wife. Yep. And Martha better be careful because she should know, uh, just like everybody else, that Lionel Luther be an infidelity machine. So don't Mm -hmm. make like as soon as a guy starting to make comparisons between you and his wife in a loving way, that guy is is is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Like uh, Lionel is looking for a work wife in more ways than one. Absolutely. Place to park his car at night, if you will. Mm hmm. Uh, or during the day, whatever, anytime. Uh, <laughs> so they share like an awkward kind of moment. And then Lex comes in and he's like, hope I'm not interrupting anything. <laughs> nice and Lionel's loud. like, oh, I always love to hear my son's voice. Yeah. Interrupting me and cock blocking me. Lex and Lana have a lot in common this episode. <laughs> yes. Yes. 
Uh, so Martha leaves very awkwardly. And this is where Lionel kind of tells Lex, oh, speaking of which, uh, this new project I'm working on, this business plaza, I totally want you to be a partner. And Lex is like, no, no, I don't think so. And then yeah. um, Lionel like shrugs it off as being just like a, a momentary lapse of sentimentality. Um, and Lex is like, yeah, sentimentality is the same as vulnerability. Uh, yeah. So you're on your own. You're on your own. That's right. So, you know, Lionel fucks off and we, we cut now to the construction site again, yeah. which for a construction site that had a murder on it, not only not even 12 hours ago, uh, mm-hmm. they're right back to work. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's no no more cop investigation. I guess the 50 minutes that they did was fine and they didn't have to do anything else. Um, if this was Edmonton construction, there would not be anybody there. Uh, no, for at least two years. Yeah. Uh, but they're going for it. Those diggers, they're going for it. And Clark and Kyla are below uh, mm-hmm. looking at these cave paintings some more. And now the cave starts rumbling because of all the construction that's going on above. Yeah. And Kyla finds, dun, dun, yep, more of the story. And Zagith was Naman's bro, uh, his mm-hmm. brother. And essentially, Zagith uh, turns evil and wants to battle Naman, essentially, between good and evil. And they'll always be like the balance between or something like that. Something along mm-hmm. those lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Clark, you can see as she's talking you know he's thinking about Lex like the whole time. Like you can see well, maybe, that. Little... Maybe he is. Maybe he's just like, oh, you mean it's, it's like somebody's best friend who's actually bad? Like I don't, yeah, right. I think maybe, <laughs> I think maybe, but I don't think Clark, I think Clark is maybe naive enough to think that maybe it's not Lex. I mean, possibly. I feel like if, because Clark, Clark feels like this is his story. Like he really does feel like this, he is Naman. He feels that way as much as he doesn't really admit it as much as Kyla admits it. But like, you can tell he read the story resonates with him and he has now this personal attachment. So to me, I'm like, his naivete could be that he doesn't want to admit it to himself, but I feel like he knows. I feel like he knows and makes that comparison. Yeah, and then there's the there's the uh, other figure on the wall that is the woman he's destined to be with, and it has the symbol of the uh, the diamond, the green diamond, which is also mm-hmm. on Kyla's wrist, but also it matches Lana's necklace pretty perfectly. Does Her, it really? Oh, I didn't even make that connection. So oh, it is. Shit. I, I think you're not meant to because we haven't seen that necklace in a long time, but it's the same shape and color, so. Oh it's, shit! It's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, that's a fun little tidbit of information. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Kyla says like, "Oh yeah, this has been passed down by the women in my family, and I don't even know how old it is." So like that yeah. just you know again, it's like, "Oh, this is probably from when Naman was like banging your great 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 grandma." So you know whatever. Yeah. Um, but then the cave rumbles again, and Kyla falls off the edge. Mm-hmm. So Clark can't let his peace fall to her death so he catches her and as huge debris and rock is falling from above this huge boulder is coming a giant a giant piece of foam core yes (laughs) comes and clark shields kyla with his body so he gets right on top of her Mm -hmm. and this uh you know rock falls breaks in half crumbles and then you get this shot of them with their faces like half an inch away from each other and they're breathing heavy and they're kind of like smiling at each other. And, um, and he's like, Oh, must be adrenaline, I guess. I guess. 
And then that's where Clark loses his V card right there. <laughs> then they just have sex. Um, yeah. <laughs> no. So Kyla then jokes about his strength. Cause she's like, Oh, like, you know, how are you able to do that? And Oh, if you're so strong, can you shoot fire out of your eyes too? And Clark just kind of walks away awkwardly. He doesn't even give a uh, just lucky, I guess, kind of bullshit excuse. And that's where she's like, Oh, you must be Naman. And, she, and he's like, I don't know what I am. Yeah. I just know that things are messed up and, you know, whatever. And then she says to him, well, this explains everything. And this explains why I'm having feelings for you, which I'm just like, uh, Kyla, you're like a 17 year old teenager. At least you're supposed to be in this episode. So the hormones be raging. You freaking are going to have feelings for literally everybody. That's good looking. (laughs) That comes across (laughs) your, your path. Um, and yeah. so she, like, Kyla's now essentially associating herself as the the destined love for Naman. Yeah, and she alludes to having grown up around unexplainable things. Yes, which, I mean, when you can do the things that she can do, yes, I'm, I'm sure she does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she kind of just tells Clark to just give in. Give in and, and they, let it, ha- let it happen. It. Well, I mean... Uh, I'm assuming they do maybe a little bit more than make out because that was a pretty intense scene. It was pretty intense. Well, yeah, I mean, it does cut to like an oil derrick pumping and like a train going into a tunnel. (laughs) Do you know what? Honestly, so I wrote in my notes that Clark in this scene loses his V card. And then when we cut to the Talon and Lana puts those pamphlets down, I thought that they were cards. And I was like, no. So I thought that they were like alluding to that, but they're not cards. They're they're pamphlets. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah so we so we we cut to the, the talent after clark and kyla have their moment yeah. and lana has these save the cave pamphlets and there's buzz c- kind of going around the talent and she's talking mm-hmm. with henry smalls yeah and she's thanking him so obviously he has put stuff a plan in motion to, to yeah. help um with these cave paintings and henry reveals that the DNA test results came back. But and he Paul... is the father. <laughs> yeah. He is uh... the father. <laughs> yep. So he is. And he says, um, you know, I don't know if I've earned the title quite yet, but I'd like to. So yeah. things are looking good for Lana. Things are looking good on that in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. We can tick that box. The the that... Lana scene box has been ticked. Up That's to this right. point. We still have not seen Chloe in the episode yet. <gasps> You're right. We haven't yet. I think this is about the longest an episode goes without a Chloe. Okay. And you know what? Again, like I'll say she's very less annoying in this one. So maybe they, the more they, the less they use her, the less annoying she gets. Yeah. Um, but then we cut again to the construction site and now there's a big ass protest going on outside. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so I don't know what we would consider this time jump. I don't know if it would be like next day because protests don't just get together just with later. signs. It could be the next day. It could be, it could be later that day because maybe Kyla and Clark. Well, let's just assume it was the next day because Kyla and Clark were there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unless they're currently there just below the surface while this is happening. Like this could be happening at the same time, but I feel like though the ground would be shaking because yes. you know Clark's yeah. pretty strong. Yeah. <laughs> with this little pounding <laughs> motion. <laughs> when, the, when this cave's a rocking. Don't come and knock in. 
<laughs> so there's a protest and g Joseph is there uh, and Martha arrives and she takes him to the side and basically says like, oh, I want you to come in and have a meeting with Lionel and see if we can find some common ground, essentially. She's trying to be the peacemaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and g Joe basically has this awesome monologue. It's very short mm-hmm. um, where he talks about how he doesn't essentially like trust lions or snakes or whatever he doesn't trust powerful people Mm -hmm. and he says you'll have to forgive my skepticism but every time native americans are asked to peacefully coexist we've been killed or forced onto reservations Mm -hmm. which hits super hard because like it at 100 that's absolutely true that's that's their history when when white man came and fucked everything up so like he's speaking truths here yep yeah so i really so i liked that like Pan flutes aside, because really, I feel like that was the most ignorant part of the episode when it came to portraying indigenous people. I feel like everything yeah. else was done up fairly decently. Um, I, I really like that. that. I, I like think that. some of that is because Smallville was shot in Canada and Canada has some like, at least our film board has like some pretty decent people working on like that kind of representation side to make yeah. sure that things aren't too fucked up when it comes to this kind of thing. Yeah. Cause I think back to, um, remember saved by the bell. Yeah. Remember that episode where Zach finds out he could be like part native American mm-hmm. and you have white hair, blue eyed, blonde haired Zach coming into class, pan flute music and he's got makeup on and a headdress and he's oh, got God. like what was considered at the time, like traditional Native American clothing. He like puts on the whole freaking show. And like mm-hmm. even that this day, I'm like, I'm surprised that that episode is still aired like to this day. So, yeah, because yeah. even that was super heavy on the pamphlutin. It was. Yeah. Yeah. So this one, not so bad. Not so bad. So uh, Henry Smalls comes in after uh, the cop sheriff dipshit comes in and is like, you're under arrest for the murder of of the foreman. Because is this where he says they found a cloth? Well, Henry Smalls uh, comes in to serve Martha directly because she's the representative of Luther Corp present with the injunction. Yeah, with the um, cease and desist. Yeah. Get out of here. And, and and then as they are starting to maybe celebrate a little bit, Ethan shows up and he's like, hey, uh, so we found this towel that has your blood on it. So come with us. Come with us. But was it his blood or was it the foreman's blood? Oh, it was the foreman's blood that was on it. That was on and the so towel. Then, That's right. And then where did they find the towel? Did they get a warrant to search that guy's house while that he wasn't even home? I assume. <laughs> Uh, or Anyways. Ethan just walked in because, again, Ethan is not a good cop. Uh, no, not in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so he takes g Joe away, who essentially is mm-hmm. just like, see, Martha, fucking told you. Like, try to try to dance with the devil. You're going to yeah. be sent to hell. And Willowbrook looks directly at Martha and is like, is this Luther Corp's idea of peaceful coexistence? <laughs> right. Creating yeah. an innocent man? Pretty much is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then we, we cut, and now Clark just busts into Lex's office at the Luther mansion. And it's yeah. just like, I need to raise bail money for G Joe for daddy, daddy Joe, my fa- future father-in-law. Yeah. Um, and even pop, Clark, pop, yeah, pop, pop in law. And even Clark is, you know, under the impression that Luther Corp has framed, uh, grandpa Joe. Yeah. And Lex. So I, I feel like 
Lex was initially like, okay, you want bail money for this guy? Eh, maybe. But as soon as Clark is like, yeah, Luther Corp totally framed him. Lex is like, fuck you. I'm not helping you at all. I don't make it a habit to freaking let alleged murderers <laughs> yeah. go. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And, and he's also like, hey, also Martha told him all about, spilled the tea about Kyla. And so Lex is like, you sure this isn't about, uh, you're thinking with your other head, Clark. Right. And, and even asks, what about, like, Lana? What, what about Lana? And Clark says, well, it's nice when someone, when you like someone and they actually do like you back, which again is like fucking so, so high school. It's so like high school, not understanding yeah. like flirting and hey, like Clark. picking up on signals. Yeah. Hey, Clark, there is such a thing as subtlety. Somebody right. doesn't need to throw themselves at you to show that they like you. Right? They don't need to be biting their lower lip and freaking giving you a foot job under the table. So. <laughs> Wiggling their eyebrows like Milhouse. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah. So, Lex basically says, like, nope. Uh, you know, fighting against my dad is like fighting a losing battle. Um, but Clark is convinced that if he takes Lex pretty much to the cave, Lex is going to change his mind about everything. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So well, but first, before we go to the cave, we go to the uh, Lana Lana's fundraiser at the Talon, and Chloe shows up. Chloe finally shows up and mentions, uh, you know, oh, good, good for you to be helping Clark. And Clark mentions, uh, or Lana mentions Clark's new obsession with Kyla. Mm -hmm. And I think Chloe like. Chloe definitely sees the jealousy trope in it a little bit. Yeah. And then she mentions that a Lana name wrote... that we haven't heard in a while pops, comes up. Yeah. Um, and Chloe has been, of course, doing what she does best, which is putting her nose where it doesn't belong. And she read the last letter that Lana was writing to Whitney, where Lana mm -hmm. must have told him about Clark's obsession with Kyla or, or how it's bothering her or whatever. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and then this is where we find out that, yeah, Alana and Whitney had kind of like officially broken up with that video. And then yeah. ever since then, Lana says, oh, we've been writing letters constantly. And he's opened up to me more than since then, even when we were together, like he's yeah. much more open. Yeah. But then she mentions how, you know, lately she's been the one writing the letters and he's not been responding. Yeah. And then Chloe... Uh, kind of makes a flip comment about like maybe we should stop falling for guys that are trying to save the world. I put that too. I was like, oh, <laughs> I see what we're doing there. I see. <laughs> oh. So yeah, so we get that that little Lana Chloe scene really really quick, and uh, then we do cut to the cave where Clark has brought Lex to. He's making. Him. He's Clark makes like a season, like a season defining blunder here. Absolutely, because Lex sees the octagonal recess like, in the immediately. Wall. Yes, and he immediately Clark is like, "See, isn't this important?" And Clark and Lex is like, "This has to be protected at all costs. This is the most important discovery of like the century." <laughs> and Lex, like, is, <laughs> Lex has like his flashlight pointing at the octagonal recess while he's talking to Clark, yeah, and while yeah. Clark is looking directly at him, and Clark isn't putting it together. <laughs> Well, again, Clark is definitely not thinking with his brain in this no, entire episode. Got, he is not. He's got dick blinders on. He absolutely does. And yeah, and Lex doesn't even look around at almost anything else. He sees no. that octagonal recess and he's like, this is the only thing I fucking care about. Yep. 
Yeah. Which is true, which is true. Um, so that it's very short, short and sweet little in the cave scene. And we yeah. cut again Bam. to the Talon. Joe G- Joe is out of jail. He's done been bailed all of a sudden. Uh, so we find out that Lex, of course, bailed him out. And uh, G Pa Joe talks about how he's a little uneasy about accepting Luther money to bail him out. And he asks yeah. Clark while he's standing next to Kyla why he's doing all of this. Yeah. And essentially Clark is like, well, cause I want to bang your granddaughter. Um, and it's for a good cause. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's, and it's for a good cause. It's for a good cause, cause that I fuck your granddaughter. Okay. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then Martha um, tries to, shows up to try to smooth things over, but uh, Joseph is not hearing it. Oh, hell no. So like, yeah, she comes and apologizes, which again, like Martha yeah. is so put between like a, a rock and a hard place this whole episode. Like she's so conflicted. Um, so she does. And she's sincere about it. She's not like, oh, Lex, Lionel would like to extend his apologies. Like she came personally to apologize. And g Joe is still convinced he was set up. The bloody towel was in his trash. Yeah. And now he sees where Martha's loyalties lie. And yeah. come on, Kyla, we got to bounce. We're not staying around here with these fucking racist whiteies. We're done. And so they leave. Yeah. <laughs> not, not before Kyla gives the like death stink eye glare to Martha. Yeah. And so then she, we cut to that. And then, then we cut again to as they're walking out the door. After giving Martha the death glare, she turns to Clark with the like, oh, Clark, come to my rescue. Please, Please Clark. Please. Please me. Clark, please. <laughs> and Clark is just left behind, sexually frustrated uh-huh. with, with Martha. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So now there's some bad, bad blood. There's some uh, rumblings of discourse uh, in that little um, relationship. Yeah. Um, and then we cut to the torch where Clark legit just waltzes in while Chloe's on her computer. And he's like, hey, so like, what's the skimmy? Like, you know, let's talk about this. And what have you done for me? And uh, have you been uh, in touch with anybody who can help with this whole cave <laughs> painting Chloe, thing? And Chloe looks right at the, looks at us on the screen is like, I'm more than a plot device. Right. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an actual person with real feelings. Hello. Hey, Please. Chloe. How's it going? <laughs> Uh, so she basically mentions he's being an obsessive dick like yeah. about this and you know um, I don't know how coroner's offices work but I highly doubt that they give out the details of murders um, to high school students yeah uh, we've, we've, we've had this before where Chloe just has somebody who she knows who owes her a favor or something at, like yeah. the, some dude some, some person who's like an intern or something there yeah. um, but like but not yeah, this time. I, I this time it. she's like, I just got off the phone with the coroner's office. Yeah. Like, so she yeah. doesn't even mention guy owed me a favor or like yeah. a friend of mine's brother's cousin. She doesn't remember Chad. Wife. She doesn't mention Chad the goth. No. <laughs> or the Austrian on the Vespa. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Clark is relieved, um, you know, because they find out that uh, – there were wolf bite marks on the foreman. So he's like, oh, well, there you go. g Joe, freaking name stricken from the record. He's all good. He's yeah. innocent. But Chloe's like, well, here's the thing, Clark. Wolves haven't been seen in Smallville for 90 years. And also, if you translate the name of Kyla's tribe, uh, it translates to skinwalkers. And he shows she shows uh, him a neat drawing of of a, of a man, bear man pig. wearing like a man bear pig 
<laughs> lumbar pack. Well, it was definitely. It looked like it was a half bear, half man. It was like bear on top, naked Al, man Al on Gore, the bottom. Al Gore <laughs> runs in the room. Excelsior! <laughs> I'm super serial, you guys. The man bear pig is real. <laughs> it's half. So, so what they're saying, what they're trying to say, is that Kyla is half sexy girl half wolf and half bear pig yeah yeah she's every furry's dream (laughs) (laughs) she can be multiple animals (laughs) they did it they did this but they said the name of the episode in the in in the episode they did oh yeah actually i didn't even realize that is this like the first one i think i think it's one of few except for ryan that's like you know yeah yeah um, so yeah, but um, but she is assuming that G-Pod Joe is the skinwalker, and Clark is like, no, no, I won't believe it. No, no, say it isn't so. And yeah. he he basically just uh, runs away. Um, runs away from it. He's like, no, I don't want to hear it. So bye. Yeah, yeah. And then we we cut to the nighttime now. So we have like an like you know an official night cut, and yeah. uh, we're we're at Luther Corp where Martha. Is yeah. now walking through the parking lot in the dark. Yeah. And suddenly we hear banging noises coming from like all around her, essentially in the parking yeah. lot. Yeah. So she starts to, you know, hurry fumble her ass. Keys. To, yeah. Fumble the keys, hurries her ass to her car. She gets in, uh, you know, uh, without any incident. Yeah. And then as she's about to start the car, she looks up and what the frick is on the hood of her car? But a, a wolf. white wolf. And it barks yeah. at her a bunch, and she reaches down to grab her keys that fell on the floor. And when she looks back up, the wolf is gone. Yep, yep. And then you get the indigenous uh, pan fluting again playing. Uh-huh. Yeah, ew, yeah, ew. <laughs> and there's that scene with Clark and DK where they're like having a little bit of a father son chat. I totally thought it was going to be a birds and the bees chat. Uh, it, it was. I think it was about to be, and then Martha shows up. <laughs> Yes, yeah, because DK basically says, like, oh, you know, things must be getting serious because Kyla called here, like, twice. And Clark is like, oh, well, I can be myself around her. Yeah. Uh, But to Clark's credit, because it didn't, I didn't pick this up, like, at all during the first half of the episode. He does tell Daddy Kent that he's suspicious of Kyla. Yeah. And he feels like she knows more about the foreman's murder than she's letting on. Yeah. So... Good on Clark to really not completely think with his dick, but you know, it's it was definitely there, but it wasn't prominent. Well, I mean, that's the thing. He's just he he's only had those thoughts like after they bang and they're laying there. Like he's he's in his refractory <laughs> period, and so his brain starts to he's like, huh, starts building the pieces together. Oh yeah, like he's relieved some of the pressure, so he can start using his brain again. And he's just laying there, like, oh yeah, I guess there's a chance. Yeah. yeah. And then Daddy Ken does say, like, you know, not everyone is as they seem. And then, you know, we get Martha entering and she looks like super shook. Yeah. And she basically says, like, oh, a white wolf just like tried to attack me while I was in my car. And, yeah. You know, Duh. And then we go to the mansion and like Lex is pretty indelicate in the way like he's just too he comes on a little too too strong with Lionel about offering to buy him out 
Yes. Yeah. The, so Lionel picks up on it. Lionel. Yeah. But before before we even get to that, do you love how Lex is just literally looking at an octagon shape on his computer? <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> He's like, mm, octagon. He's just like making sure that octagon signs, and he's like, <laughs> he's clearly making sure that the octagon shape is still the shape it's supposed to be, so that his key will fit into this freaking wall. <laughs> yeah, I so I because I if I remember correctly, he doesn't have the octagon right now. No, because it flew off of the ship, yeah. right? Yeah, so we did, don't know who but, has it. But I think at some, the idea is that he's gonna. I think what this is planting is that he's going to try to make one. Oh, so that's actually his 3D printing program. Mm, could be, yeah. Mm, yeah. Damn. Um, yeah, but you're right. Lionel comes in and Lex is essentially like, I'm going to buy you out. Why don't I just buy you out? You don't need this on your hands. I'll just take over. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's all good, Dad. Don't ask any questions about no, why no I'm suddenly questions. doing this. Yeah, um, no questions. And Lionel's like, ah, no, this is, uh, this, this smells funky yeah he knows like Lex Lionel is basically like there's something on that land that you want like and so fuck you I'm not giving you shit yeah <laughs> uh so now we cut to the barn where Kyla enters immediately and is like all cutesy with Clark you know like hey baby mm-hmm. and gives him a little quick little kiss on the mouth and mm-hmm. this is where Clark is you know going into his awkward situation he does tell Kyla he's like look I trust you um but, you know, I don't really know you very well. And I think she's assuming that he thinks she's going to spill his secret to yeah. everybody. And she's like, don't worry. Like, I'm, I'm good. I won't talk about your secret. Um, yeah. And then Clark says, you know, these stories about Naman, like, are they actually true? Because even Chloe said back at the torch, like all, you know, a lot of le- there are legends out there that end up being true stories. Like, it's not you yeah. know, all fake. So. So Clark asks Kyla if it's actually true. And this is where Kyla gives more details about Naman and how he brought these special green rocks Uh from wherever he came from. And essentially, Mm -hmm. once those green rocks got here, that was when the first skinwalkers were born. Yeah. Yeah. And then he he brings up, he tries to broke or broach the subject subject of like, well, is it possible that your grandfather did do this? Yes. And Kyla gets super defensive. Like, holy. She basically uppercuts him yeah. in the barn. <laughs> and basically says, like, I can't believe that you would accuse him. Um, you know, you piece of shit. I'm out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she zips that pussy right up and out she goes. <laughs> 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 and, but not before uh, shouting out that Lionel Luther controls you all. Yeah, yeah. And then so we return to the mansion and there this scene is really quiet. Like there's like a little bit of eerie music at the very start of the scene, but then Lionel quietly walks into his like study, into his like by the fireplace, and he's like pouring himself a drink. And then mm-hmm. he's sitting there and he's like, you can tell he's listening, and like the the like stopper for the decanter is like rolling back and forth on the yes. tray next to him, and you could hear that. But yeah. it's so dead quiet in there. It's so creepy. Have you ever seen the movie uh, No Country for Old Men? Yeah. Okay. Did you ever notice that there was absolutely zero soundtrack to that movie? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. the same. And it just gives that intense, like unsettling feeling when you don't have a soundtrack to kind of guide your, your anxiety essentially to when it's a, when it's a tense scene. So yeah. yeah, he's sitting and before he even got into his office though, he does hear like a noise Yeah, and then, then he sits, he pours himself a drink He's sipping on his little scotch or whatever he's having. And then he starts hearing scratches at his door and snarling. And then there's like wolf howls and barks. And it sounds like there is a pack that's waiting to bust in and devour him, essentially. Um, So Lionel, you know, or Blindel gets Mm -hmm. up. His blind little self gets up and he's, I guess, going to do something about it because he starts walking towards the noise. Yeah, and then we we get like all the scenes where he is like face to face with the wolf, and but the way it's shot in multiple angles, it seems like there's more than one wolf in the room. Yeah, yeah, for sure, absolutely. That's what I I was kind of thinking that too. Like, but then it cuts, you know, to him. Um, like you kind of see it in better detail because then you see his face and the wolf's face in the same shot, and I don't yeah. see any other wolves about, so I'm like, okay, like it's just the one. Yeah. <laughs> And then the best, the best is when the wolf slashes his face. Yeah. Just gives <laughs> him a, a boop. Gives him a little boopsies on the face. And Lionel uh, is like, ah, and, and just like flings himself back. But it's, it's the timing of it is really, really bad. In my opinion, it was just off by a little bit. So enough to kind of throw me off. It wasn't, it wasn't the best injury yeah, uh, yeah. In, the, in the episode, in the show, but it is. What no, it is. no. And then also like. When Clark Clark keeps doing this when Lionel is around, where he shows up, Lionel can't see what's happening, but Clark hears him call out to Joseph. Uh yes. Well, no, then, he so he busts in. I don't think Lionel says Joseph. Lionel just screams and he falls back. Well, yeah, and but then, Clark Clark bursts in and is like Joseph. Yeah, Joseph. Yeah, he he still thinks it's Joseph. Uh-huh. And the wolf then jumps out the window. Because, you know, let's, don't go through the house. Definitely jump out the, the second story window. Yep. Um, and you can see now, you hear it whine as yeah. it jumps out. And Clark, you know, goes to the window to There's call after Joseph and blood all over the window. So you cut to him now. He's running through the forest Following in the, the middle trail, of... Presumably. Yeah, that's right. Well, he's got that super, super... He's got that red dead... Well, he's, got, he's, he's got that red dead vision where you can yeah. follow the... <laughs> that's right yeah and he's so he's going through the woods and he's calling out still for joseph like ah joseph where are you and um all of a sudden he sees the wolf and it's mm-hmm. got this huge slice like down its belly essentially and it's yeah. whimpering and then you see the animorphs uh animation <laughs> <laughs> the animorphs As- into kyla she was never a skinwalker she was an animorph all along she was, that's right she was an animorph um, so Clark, you know, he cradles her, he apologizes, he wraps her up. He's like, oh, things are going to be okay. And this is where she kind of, which is, which is true. Okay. So let's, yeah. let's give Kyla the credit here. Mm-hmm. She didn't actually kill the foreman. No. She bit his arm and you know, that and whatnot. But I think her intention was only to scare them. Yeah. Um, the foreman dying was like a freak accident and yeah. she never harmed Martha. And aside from a scratch on the face, a little boop on the snoots, yeah. she didn't actually hurt Lionel for the most part. Um, so she says, you know, I didn't mean to kill anybody. I didn't mean to hurt anybody. She thought, and then she says like, Oh, I, I, 
thought I could trust you, which I was like, what do you mean you thought you could trust him? I was like, you can still like, you, you can still trust him. Where did the mistrust happen? Yeah. And, but also like, because of her knowing his secret, we, we kind of know where this was going from the moment she found out his secret. True. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't a hundred percent sure though. I wasn't a hundred percent sure they'd let her die just because again, it could create like love interest trauma in later episodes. So I wasn't a hundred percent like, Oh, she's dead now. Like when she first kind of put the pieces together. But the thing I um, wonder though, is like, how, how does, how do you explain this to the paramedics? There's just a naked girl in the woods (laughs) and Clark is the one who found the body. And like, oh, just lucky, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, he's just lucky. It's fine. <laughs> just lucky, I guess. Um, but yeah, she basically, she didn't want to tell Clark about this whole thing because she saw how he reacted when he assumed it was g Joe, who was the wolf. So she yeah. didn't want to, you know, be causing that strife in his life. And then before she dies, she apologizes that she can't be the one for him, for Naman. Yeah. She can't, she's not the chosen one. Yeah. You are the chosen one. <laughs> you are supposed to. You are supposed to save our people, not leave them in darkness. Uh, so that's that's pretty much the end of her. We and, and again, another Smallville instance where we don't see anything afterwards. We don't know what happened to her body. Did they have a funeral? Yeah. Did they like? Did they bury her? Did they? This that was there anything? Like, assumably not. There was a. Like, I don't. I, I doubt it could even just be the next day. It's got to be like a little while later because the next scene is like on the job site and Clark and um and Willowbrook talk. Yeah, yeah. Where Clark is essentially just like standing in the construction site, and the and the construction workers are like, "Well, guess we can't work. There's a guy here." Yeah, <laughs> like they don't. Dude's do- <laughs> here. He's not wearing a vest, so we can't do anything. Yep, that's right. So Martha comes out and uh, Martha and Lionel actually come out to that construction site. And uh, then Lionel kind of says like, um, you know, Martha, you can't, you you know, can't be siding with this. Like, we got to get this project on the go. And Martha was like, no, I'm proud of my son. And Lionel says to her, well, are you willing to lose your job over this? And she basically says, well, that's up to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So she goes to stand with Clark, I guess, in solidarity. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, we got G-Pod Joe shows up with his crew. Yeah. And uh, him and Clark have a, a talk. And he thanks Clark for everything he's done. Yeah. Um, and gives Clark Kyla's bracelet. Yeah. Which is like, I mean, maybe she's the last woman, like, in her family line. Like, maybe that's why he did it. But I found that to be very odd. Because it's like a, it's an artifact. Like, yeah, it's why, an are ancient... you giving, why are you giving this artifact of your people to this it's fucking white cracker kid. yeah right honestly like it's i think true. it is like, because I... he believed he actually does still believe because we don't get we don't know how much clark revealed to him about That's, his connections yeah. to naman but maybe g joe believes enough he could and we don't know what kyla might have told him like in between and in betwixt right so yeah if, if anything he might have like a strong like feeling feeling yeah yeah, yeah exactly so well, he, he, already did. he already did because at one point remember early on he was like you're not from around here yes yeah um so yeah and then lex rolls up and basically has gotten the land to become a historic artifacts preservation reservation is what i call yeah. it <laughs> he comes <laughs> and he comes in he's like rocking this turtleneck 
and he's just sort of like, hey, uh, hey, dad, so uh, got some bad news for you. <laughs> uh, I guess you should have taken my offer because now you're only going to get 30 cents on the dollar. That's right. I'm going to explain that to your shareholders. Twist the knife a little bit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he basically uh, tells his dad, you know, fuck off. But Lionel, still, he ain't buying he's it. He's, yeah, he's like, Lex, you're not one for philanthropy. You're not one for history and, you know, preserving it. Yeah. So I know that there's something valuable in those caves and I'll find it. Yeah. I'll be damned if I don't find it. So, Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that, like, that's pretty much the end of, of that little scene. And then we cut to like, obviously later in the day where Lex slash Morpheus, cause he's got those yeah. fucking sunglasses. <laughs> Morpheus enters. Lex Orpheus. And he, Lex Orpheus. And he goes back into the cave and he goes right for that hexagon or octagon, uh, yeah. recess. And he's like brushing off the dust and he's, you know, getting it all clean and ready for his 3d printed key. Mm-hmm. And then he's, you know, he does, you know, run his flashlight around around the cave. And he doesn't see where the camera pans up to. That's right. And the camera pans up to that. uh, What's his name? Zagith. Yeah. Zagith and Naman as they're like clashing or or whatever. And the ominous music plays and the foreshadowing is very much present. I actually legitimately thought that would be the perfect place for the credits to roll yeah 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 but we have one more contractually obligated scene to get to yes we need that clark and lana scene without the kyla involved and so we Mm -hmm. get it (laughs) so lana i mean she comes in and she apologizes about kyla she she feels bad and she you know knows that clark felt very strongly about her and clark says to her like you know what you guys were a lot alike like i wish you could have gotten to know her more because you guys were very similar she takes it as a as a compliment, of course. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, then they're outside just kind of chatting a little bit, just small talking. And then Clark kind of looks down to Lana and sees like she her eyes are super glassy, like she's tearing up about something. Yeah. And it's got to be more than this whole Kyla thing, because like there's no way yeah. she could be this upset about it. So he yeah. asks her, like, you know, what's going on? And this is when we get the whole connection with Whitney and mentioning Whitney earlier. Whitney yeah. is, has been declared missing in action. Yeah. So Lana just totally breaks down. Clark hugs her, brings her in, gives her some hugs and just holds her and kind of like cradles her. And as it kind of pans out to see the whole picture of them, it's the exact same scene as when Kyla and Clark were like eye banging the stars and each other and all that kind of stuff yeah. like before Lana came in the first time so it's kind of it brings us back to that scene that like kind of romantic together kind of scene and uh we we end on Lana's tears and Clark's continued sexual frustration yeah yeah and credits and credits <laughs> that's yeah. right so yeah. um so yeah so overall like i think that the acting in this uh, episode was still really well done, even with the guest stars. It was um, a great continuation, I think, of the story of Lex wanting to continue getting his independence from his father. Um, and yeah, I think overall, like the whole, all of the indigenous uh, tropes that were in it, while some of them were a little bit on the ignorant side and a little bit overdone, uh, for the most part, I think they did a really good job. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I'm gonna give this 
Um, I'm going to give this episode four, four white wolves out of five. Uh, it gets one less white wolf out of five because of the stupid explosion at the beginning. That was just super overkill. <laughs> and also that they're building this business park in the middle of buttfuck nowhere. Okay. For me, it's the small attentions to detail that, you know, if I, if it's going to throw me out for, if, you know, the writing's not falling through. Yeah. It, uh, so for me, it's sort of like, uh, the, the episode is good and it, uh, it sets up a mystery for the rest of the season about like the caves and stuff like that. And it's, it was decent. Um, So I think the way I would go is I'm going to give it three white wolves and a baby white wolf. Ah, little baby. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, I, I agree. I 100% agree. I think it's, um, I think it was a really good episode. It was super well done. And exactly like you say, like it opens up the underlying mystery for, I'm assuming like, yeah, roughly the rest of the season. So it's going to be a good season. I'm excited to now really get into it now that we're getting more mystery around Clark's arrival and his origin story and stuff. So I'm, I'm very interested to see what they're going to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause isn't, isn't this, and we've probably, maybe we haven't reached it yet. Um, isn't there an episode where he gets the spaceship to work and it's telling him that he's there to dominate the planet? At some point, there's something there's something okay. to that effect. Okay, so it hasn't happened yet. I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure like that eventually happened. So I'm interested to see like where, because I think around that time is close to when I stopped watching. So mm-hmm. I'm interested to see like how it's going to unfold, essentially. Like now I'm invested. I'm definitely invested, so... Yeah. Yep. Um, so anywho's, I'm going to go through our, uh, socials here, Paul, do you want to queue up, uh, the synopsis for next week's episode? Sure. Yeah. I'll All right. So, uh, if you like this episode of, uh, our save us pod, Smallville retrospective, you can, uh, get more content from us. If you so choose, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow the podcast at save us pod. You can follow Paul at Oz and you can follow me, Ashley, at GamerMomCA. And you can follow me on Twitch. You can follow me on Twitter. You can follow me on YouTube. Uh, there's lots of ways to, to get in contact with me. Um, you can also leave us questions, comments, fact checks, uh, criticisms, anything like that on our Anchor voicemail. And you can also get us at saveuspod at gmail.com. Um, so like we've been saying, I mean, definitely if you want to interact with us uh if there's anything that you know there you think we could improve upon or if there's things that you want to see more of in our episodes uh definitely leave us a comment leave us an email leave us a voicemail on the podcast paul has mentioned before that we're more than willing to like play them at the beginning of our episodes and address your questions as they come in and yeah. um yeah so yeah. the the um the way the, those those messages work they're like right in the anchor app and like the way they can like it's would be almost no work at all for me to like grab them and just drag them into the episode as i'm building oh, them awesome. in the app it's it's like really it's it's no work at all so just remember if you have anything to say about an episode that we're going to cover or have covered yeah come mm-hmm. in and let us know 
Or if you have even just like questions, if you want to just ask us questions, we'll get personal with you guys. Like we'll give you what you want. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're here for you guys. So if that's, if that's some content that you're looking for, and if you want to see more content from us, like we got to get some engagement going, right? Cause we got to know that we're reaching the masses with this, uh, with this little podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, yeah, those are all the ways that you can interact with us uh, at this time. And yep. uh, Paul, why don't you take us through uh, next week's episode? Okay, so next week on Smallville, Visage, one of Clark's former adversaries returns to Smallville and causes a rift between Lana and Clark. Elsewhere, Lex accuses a woman he's dating of spying on him for Lionel Luther. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So I'm assuming that'll be Dr. Bryce. Yeah, and so depending on where you look for these episode synopses, it actually tells you who this person returning is that is going to drive a wedge between oh, Clark and Lana, depending on where you're looking. Okay, um, well, I'm going to pop into my Amazon Prime because I want to see if it tells me. It probably will, I think. But it okay. is, uh, it's interesting. Like, it carries on directly from the way this episode ended, if that gives you any hint. Oh, okay. Oh, so. shit. All right. I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I hope you guys are all here for it. And uh, hopefully next week we can give you a good episode. And yeah, like I say, if, um, if anybody wants to find out more about the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, if we just want to circle back to that again, Google search it, guys. There is so much information you can find. It's ridiculous. The news stories, the podcasts, the YouTube videos, the everything. There's tons of stuff out there. And if you want to find any ways that you can contribute and help in any way, there are also tons of funds and uh, different organizations that are here to help uh, Indigenous people. So mm-hmm. things that you can things you can do, obviously. Make your dollar count. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's about it, Paul. I don't know if there's anything else that we need to add to this episode. I think I think that's good. I think we are I think we are done. And that only leaves one last thing to do. <gasps> Somebody save us. <laughs>